0: Recording from Holloway Gymnasium, it's episode 8 of Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball podcast. I'm Daniel Gilman, the voice of the Boilermakers Volleyball team, along with the head coach Dave Shondell. As we take a look at the past few weeks of Purdue Volleyball, trying to fill you guys in on everything on the court, off the court, around the nation, and coming off of a tight four-set loss over Minnesota to wrap up what was a a well-needed and a, uh, a fun homestand for you and the team.
1: Well, it's, it's great that we're here in Holloway because this is certainly one of my most favorite places uh, in the world to be. We've Spent a lot of time in here and so thankful that Purdue has provided us with a volleyball only facility that we have, you know, use of 24 hours a day, which we don't use it 24 hours a day, but um, it's a beautiful facility to play. And I talked to a lot of friends that were in here, some for the first time uh, on Sunday, yesterday, well, Sunday, I should say, and uh, they could not believe the atmosphere could not believe the students, could not believe that you know we packed this place for every, every match in West Lafayette, Indiana. It's one thing to do it if you're in Indianapolis, the state capital, okay? But we're in West Lafayette, and uh, to get that kind of a crowd night in and night out just shows you know how loyal our fans are to this volleyball team.
0: Seven sellouts so far this season, and then we could start with the Halloween Eve match because we saw fans from all over the, the the counties and and all over this this Hoosier state. Because every time you guys face IU, it's not just Purdue fans, it's not just IU fans, it's just volleyball fans who try to come in to, to watch it on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, and Wednesday nights are tough to. You ask anybody in our league, they're tough to sell out, and uh, but we we sold out, and uh, we we thank the anybody that came here, whether they were. Uh, rooting for IU or if they were rooting for uh, the Boilermakers uh, for being here because we we take great pride in volleyball in this state of Indiana. It's one of the best. It's one of the the pioneers of the game. Uh, The coaches and players from this state have done incredible things. And so that was a great match. And, you know, we played at a high level from start to finish. Uh, You know, we were coming off of that win against Nebraska. And so I didn't know for sure. You know what level we would play at if we'd have any kind of a drop off because of the emotion, but we did not. Uh, you know we were serving the ball really tough against them, and um, you know it, it was it was a fun night to be in Holloway.
0: Seven aces in the first set, and then the Boilermakers hits 457 in the second and 452 in the third set. Grace Cleveland had another one of those iconic matches, which led to her Player of the Week award. 12 kills on 19 swings with one error. Those are those are not, you know, right side hitter numbers. Those are, you know, all American middle numbers and yet she's been able to come in day in, day out with four aces against Nebraska as well and she's been dominating.
1: Grace is a special young person as, as you've grown to know in the two years that you have been here and uh, you know, she went through a, a many, mini, mini slump. Uh, where people started really loading up on her. Some good teams started to load up on her and she was not hitting at the same high percentage. But we felt like getting her back home uh, after you know, six out of eight on the road, getting her back home would make a significant difference. And, uh, and she found the comfort zone uh, when she got here and really snapped out of that funk and, and uh, played extremely well all four home matches. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what she's going to do when we go out east and uh, play Rutgers in Penn State.
0: And then Purdue had a couple days off, got to celebrate Halloween, got to watch their football team take care of Nebraska at the last minute, and took their 7-4 and conference record trying to win their fifth straight match. And it looked... Pretty good in the first set against Minnesota, a 23-22 lead that saw a service error, and then the Golden Gophers kind of storm right back. But then, as we saw against Nebraska, coach, your team mentally is as strong as as maybe they've they've ever been, and or maybe one of the best, strongest mental teams you've ever seen because of the way that they're bouncing back after first set losses to dominate in the second is is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to. To draw comparisons from team to team and and what each situation might be, this is a young team. So what impresses me most is that they can do that when we're playing a lot of freshmen, sophomores, and you know a couple juniors and seniors. Uh, and uh, but we you know we bounce back in the second set, but we kind of. Uh, disappeared in the third set. So I'm not sure where that mental toughness went, went on hiatus for for a set. I thought the fourth set was really good volleyball. Uh, I had no qualms about the way our team competed in that fourth set despite losing, but it was back and forth all the way. And I think we even led 18 to 17 or 17 to 16. And uh, that was when they they went on a run and and put uh, a series of points on the board. And there were great rallies during that run. You know, People who don't know Minnesota don't recognize that the strength of their team is their defense. And they may think it's, you know, all these great offensive players that they've got. You know, in the past, they had a great setter in, in Swenson. But, man, they, they, they are good at the net with their block. And then what they don't block, they find a way to dig. And their, their, their team is so disciplined defensively. We had a hard time finding the floor uh, at certain times during that match. And at the end of the day, that led to the win. But as I told you earlier off the mic, that I watched the, the the video a couple of times, and um, it was a match I can live with. Um, we can play better. Uh, I think I rated it as a B on social media, but. Uh a beak will beat you a lot of teams in our league, but uh, it's not going to beat teams ranked in the top 10, and we found that out with Minnesota on, on Sunday.
0: Yeah, taking a look at some of these numbers in the fourth set, it was a fun one. Minnesota took a 10-7 lead. Purdue tied it up 10-all. It was definitely a match of runs. Minnesota then took a 16-14 lead, and as you mentioned, Purdue led 17-16, and that's when we saw the 5-0 run kind of separate things. And In that run, Jenna Otech was playing front row, and she nearly came up with what have what I described on the radio would have been a uh, roof-collapsing <laughs> roar if she had blocked that ball on the on the right pin. Yeah. And, and they just had great covers, and, and you have to tip the cap to Minnesota. They finished strong as well yeah. on a 4-1 run to take the set 25-19. Yeah, they,
1: they cover their hitters extremely well. That's something, obviously, Hugh and his staff are – are teaching at a high level and so you have to give them credit and and that was a a block against uh... might have been but I can't tell you for sure if she was a right side player at the time they went to a new system as we've talked about they ran a 6-2 most of the night uh... but you know sometimes you just try things and hope that they're going to be effective we wanted to kind of solidify our lineup at that point once they started making a little bit of run and we brought in a smaller left side hitter that's a, a better ball control player it didn't pan out for us the way we wanted it to at that time but uh, Otech is playing really well for us right now. Uh, her passing was off the chart in that match. I think she passed a 2.32, which is exceptional, and uh, made, made tremendous defensive plays. So really, really happy with the performance we got from, from Jenna Otek in that match. And so, as far as passing is concerned, our freshman, uh, Maddie Skimmerhorn, passed a 2.42 against a really good serving team in Minnesota. And then Horning was not too far behind at about a 2.22.
0: And I'll tell you, Aaron Williams, you know your, your former middle who I do the radio broadcast with, she said she's never seen a freshman stand like Skimmerhorn did and take bomb after bomb from Samity. I don't know if you remember, there was one point where Samity smashed her. She got it over yeah. on the overpass. Pittman hit it right back to her. Yeah. Skimmerhorn nearly dug both of them. And, uh, and so she's been playing really well.
1: Yeah, she doesn't flinch. Um, she, she's a special player and um, so happy to have her because – she's a classic teammate. This, is, this isn't about her. This is about Purdue. This is about this team. And uh, when you can find those players to come into your program, uh, you know, there were so much to the culture and the cohesion of your team. And she's, as a freshman, has made a huge difference. We had some freshmen last year come in and make that kind of a difference. And now Maddie Skimmerhorn has done that in, in this class with the help of, of a few others in her class.
0: So talking about that difference, coach, it's not always visible to fans because they don't always see the difference that some players make in practice. Like we talked so much about Terwilliger last season, who are some of the players that are making, you know, a big difference off of the actual game footage, someone that the, the team and the
1: yeah, culture needs, you.
0: but the, but the fans necessarily can't see.
1: Well, it isn't always the players that are on the floor uh, that carry that load. Uh, JL Johnson, as i've described before as as possibly the best teammate that i've ever coached and i've had some wonderful people in nearly 40 years of, of coaching this particular sport and many others but jl johnson is a upper level big 10 middle that hasn't been on the floor probably in four or five matches because she has two fifth-year seniors that are playing in front of her and there were times in several of the matches we've played lately that I was really close to, to pulling the trigger. She did get in for a stint against IU, but it, it was like one play uh, as a blocking sub. But JL Johnson is the epitome of being a great teammate and being unselfish and and setting the example for anybody else that's really interested in becoming a great teammate. And uh, I'm just so happy with her. And we've had several players from Avon High School that have been exactly that same Cut from that same claw, so that's a credit to me, to that community, that uh, that, that they're providing those kind of players uh, and, and teammates. But I look at the you know Maddie Chin, who has not played a lot lately. We, you know, we have that three-headed hydra, as we like to call it, on on that outside hitting position with all three freshmen, and they're all pretty even. They're all a little bit different, but they're pretty even, and uh, and she's going to get her shot here pretty soon to get in there and play, and. Uh, And she'll be ready because in practice she's been fantastic. And and I I keep telling her that and she knows it. Uh, But sometimes people want to value their, uh, their talent or their ability by playing time and, and that's why it's great when you have athletes like J.L. Johnson who can set the example that when my time comes, I will be ready. In the meantime, I'm going to make everyone else around me the best they can be, and I'm going to bring enthusiasm and positivity to, to this program, and that's what developing a great culture is all about.
0: So as we take a look at this next trip, luckily we're back in Holloway following this upcoming weekend, but we've got a little bit of a, of a nippy Weather-wise weekend, I like to look ahead. We're going to Rutgers and we're going to Penn State. I think the highs are in the low 40s and the lows are in the low 20s. And as we take a look at the conference right now, for all you Big Ten fans at home, Wisconsin sits at first at 12-0. Minnesota with one loss. Nebraska and Penn State, who just played, what do you like to call it, a... uh, a humdinger that's
1: uh, one way you could describe it. It, it was, was a great match.
0: It was awesome. Nebraska one in five without registering one ace. I'm not sure the last time that was done. They both have two losses, and then Michigan sits ahead of Purdue with eight and four and seven and five. But you go down and Rutgers is not in last place. For the first time since that they were a Big Ten institution, mm-hmm. Rutgers has two conference wins. They won in five against Northwestern three matches ago, and then last match they swept Iowa at Iowa. Their first road conference win ever after going 0-80 between 2015 and then that match against Northwestern a few weeks ago. So now as we take a look at this Rutgers team, they have four Russians, they have eight international players, but it took a set from Purdue last year. They have a ton of talent coming up for this Friday match.
1: Yeah, they, they play in a gym that's very challenging to win in, um, despite the fact that they, Rutgers hasn't won a lot in that match themselves, but in that gym themselves. But this is a good team. And as I mentioned uh, you know, earlier um, in the press conference that I, I saw them a year ago uh, when they were playing and, and scouted them. And I knew that if all those international kids would stick around, that they were going to have a, a really good team this year. And, and CJ has really, uh, I think, put something together right now. And you don't go into Iowa on the road and win without a team that's starting to play at a high level and believe in what they're doing. So, um, all of our focus, all of our focus, is going to be on Rutgers. Um, you know, this week to get ready to play uh, the Scarlet Knights and, and hope that we're going to be able to move on from there and then go to Penn State.
0: They're returning all but one starter. As you mentioned, they didn't lose any of those transfers. And now after breaking eight school records last season, including the most sets they've ever won as a program, they now have tied with eight wins, their most wins since 2012. And then in that three-set win over Iowa, Fantastic back row play, most digs that they've had in a three-set match since 2015, so we'll have to keep our eye on their senior libero, Carissa Swackenberg, who was actually named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week in September. And then, of course, that rematch with Penn State out in rec Hall, and both those matches on BTN Plus or on PurdueSports.com, where... I'll have the broadcast and as we take a look at this conference we could also shift over coach to the NCAA volleyball committee's top 10. And this is interesting. It's, you know, very very telling to see how they sit in their top 10 compared to you say the RPI or the AP poll which will come out later today as we're recording on Monday afternoon. And three top 10 teams in the Big 10 in that NCAA volleyball committee with Wisconsin sitting at 3, Nebraska at 6 and Minnesota at 8. Interesting to not see Penn State in that top ten because they've been a moniker of the AP top ten or the coaches poll, I should say, top ten for this entire season. But Texas, Baylor 1-2, Wisconsin 3, Stanford, Pitt 4-5.
1: And it's very possible that this committee did not have an opportunity to utilize that match Saturday night before this vote was taken, okay? Uh, Because anybody that would have watched Penn State play at Nebraska uh, it would have been very difficult not to include them in the top 10 when you look at some of the teams that were in that, that group of, of 10 teams, according to the AVCA, or according to the NCA committee, excuse me. This poll is much different than the AVCA poll, uh, for the most part. The AVCA poll is 60 college coaches, okay, whose business is volleyball. That's what they do. and And they vote religiously every week on who they think the best teams are this is a poll of the nca committee which i think is i don't know what how many they have on that committee let's say there's 16 and uh, many uh, there's a couple former volleyball coaches that are on that committee but a lot of swas a lot of um, you know administrators and and they rely heavily on the rpi metrics for their uh, selection although it's not up and down the line, like RPI, it's much different. But I also know this that that this is their mid not a midway point, but it's it's the only time they're going to show us what their ranking is right now. If you remember last year, they showed that ranking, and then it was totally different uh, when they came out for the the actual seeding um, for the NCAA tournament uh, real time and some of it had people scratching their heads so uh we'll see you know if if there's a lot of similarity but a lot can happen still too you know texas is going to play baylor but how much can that change if you're one and two you know you, so baylor loses the number one team in the country is that going to hurt their situation but the top four teams there right now texas baylor wisconsin and stanford have the rights to host the first four matches and so that's huge to be in that position. And then the next twelve after that have the opportunity to host the first and second rounds um, to get them uh, as far as they can go. So the what what that committee does is so important and so critical to the success of these teams that have worked so hard uh, to try to be be successful this season.
0: We are. As we record, 34 days away from Selection Sunday. So there is just so many things that can go haywire, especially as you look at the Big Ten. And this is a Big Ten that last season it almost felt like Minnesota was running away with it at this point in the season. But as I look at this, these <laughs> there are four teams, Coach, that can take this conference, and I don't think anyone in, in the country would be surprised with Wisconsin and Penn State from one to four, all separated by two teams.
1: Yeah, and you have to look at you know, how many matchups between those teams are left, and there are a handful. But you know, Wisconsin is in the driver's seat, and Minnesota is knocking on the door. It'll take some work for Nebraska or Penn State, who are, are two games back, uh, to be able to jump in to, uh, to even a tie. that Wisconsin would have to stub their toe uh, a few times to make that happen. Wisconsin, as you pointed out, has to go to Minnesota, and that's that's been tough for Wisconsin. Wisconsin's had a tough time winning at Minnesota, but I don't know who else Wisconsin has that uh, can jump up and bite them in the tail and uh, prevent them from winning this thing. But uh, obviously, if Minnesota beats them at home, they both got one. You know, one loss in on the docket, depending on whatever is else is left. I'm I'm a lot more concerned about us going to Rutgers and then Penn State and then coming home for four of our last six.
0: Of course, yeah, we're not we're not necessarily uh, talking about this from a from a Purdue lens, just more of a Big Ten lens, and just taking a look a, a quick look at the rest of the uh, conference schedule. Wisconsin at Penn State should be a fun one. Nebraska at Minnesota at the end of November, and then that final match of the season while Purdue is at Michigan State on Friday, Minnesota at Penn State on Saturday, while uh, Wisconsin plays at Rutgers. If Wisconsin obviously is a game ahead, they should take away with it, but crazier things have happened in, in the scope of, of sports. And so as we kind of journey in towards the end of this of this podcast, we can head into a fun little segment called Fifth Set with Shondell. And with Halloween a couple days ago, I'll ask you first off, what was your, your fondest, costume that you dressed up as when you nah, were a kid. Not, I of, went
1: there on the uh, on. Facebook show last week. I'm not going there oh, again. Oh, you did? And, okay. uh, but I appreciate the effort. I will comment on this before you get to your next question. Go as ahead. As far as the most Big Ten teams are focused on the NCAA tournament than the Big Ten championship, clearly because only a handful are in a position to win the Big Ten. But I think even from the start of the season, most of these programs – know that their bread will be buttered based on how they fare uh, in regard to the NCAA tournament. And we have never been a program that's put a tremendous amount of stock. And we finished second, we finished third, we finished fourth, we finished fifth, we haven't won it. Um, But we know that some of those things are are, are really difficult to control. But the NCAA tournament is is what we really focus on. And I think that's what most of the teams are doing um, right now.
0: And I will say, pulling up the Division One Women's Volleyball Committee, it's just made up of a ton of assistant athletic directors, associate athletic directors, executive athletic directors. So as you mentioned, not quite the, uh, the lens of volleyball head coaches like yourself who votes in the AVCA coaches poll, more of, you know, Conference USA, Pac 12, American Athletic Conference, you know, one from every conference and a, and a higher up or a suit, as some people might call that. And I don't know
1: all the people on the committee, Daniel. I do know that Kelly Hartley uh, Hutton from IPFW, or just now it's Purdue University, Fort Wayne, excuse me for that, out of the Summit League, was their head volleyball coach. I also know that Michelle Durbin, who is the SWA at DeSanford, um, was also um, their head volleyball coach there. Uh, Karen Lee there at Ball State was not the volleyball coach, but uh, is obviously very familiar. TJ um, from uh, Houston. Uh, TJ has been actively involved with the AVCA for a very long time. This has really improved in the last five years of getting some people that I, I think our volleyball coaches in this country have more confidence in, that they have an idea what volleyball is and can, can give us an eyeball test. And that's the thing that's been missing from this committee in the past is the willingness to just common sense look at teams based on who they are, who they're beating, what they look like, and and then put them in a category uh, of who should be in the tournament and who should be seated. So I, I think that we've come a long way in the last five, six years with this committee.
0: Now we can have a little bit of fun, and so talking about Halloween, we've got a picture pulled up of all of your boilers, all 16 mm-hmm. of them dressed up for Halloween. I think I see you in the background, not dressed up. No. But we can kind of break down from our our most creative costumes to our least creative. I'm going to go ahead and say that my favorite is the Scooby-Doo costume that Jenna Otech yeah, went Yeah, I'm glad with.
1: you went first because you were able to take whatever you wanted on that one. <laughs> uh, that sounds about right. Uh, I like Scooby-Doo and Jenna Otec, and I like her, her pose. Um, I also like the moose there. Uh, that's Blake Moeller and the moose. We got three people with, with masks. We figured that that was JL and Grace and then Jenna. And, I, and then Horning is dressed up in some kind of a clown um, woman of some kind. And I, I'm sure it's from a movie, one that I would never watch. Um you got uh, Harry Potter back there. Uh, Maddie Chen is just uh, just a real tough person. I'm not sure what what exactly that is. you have a better you've got a better grasp on what young people are identifying with today than I am. but still Stitch. overall it was fun. They came in on Thursday all dressed out and half of those went through the entire practice in those costumes and uh, it was probably a good thing we beat. Indiana on Wednesday, because that probably wouldn't have gone on if we'd have gotten beat.
0: No, I will say that I, I'm, my guess for Chin is just some sort of assassin. She's got like a, a mm-hmm. puffy vest with a hood on yeah. and, and gloves. Yeah, I like Ava Torrance as and a... Chin,
1: and Chin is one of the funniest people that we've ever had here at Purdue. She's a riot. Um, you know, she's a different breed of cat, but she brings a lot of comedy relief to our program, and uh, we just love having her on this team.
0: Speaking of cat, her freshman teammate maddie cook is a is a cat with her uh yeah ears on Yeah, she had
1: a tail too i like
0: ava torrance i'm not sure any, if anyone could see her in traffic but luckily with the with the bright yeah, vest on construction worker oh construction worker i was thinking yeah. more of a traffic, traffic uh, cop or yeah, traffic whatever cop.
1: either way she's uh, very noticeable
0: Skimmerhorn, uh, maybe michael jordan maybe bill murray some sort of tune squad jersey great movie, great movie. fantastic yeah. um i think shivana catino went you know cradle of astronauts some, okay. Something with astronauts. Yeah. I, I would have liked Scooby to wear a, this Scooby Doo costume. It would've that would have made been a fun. lot of sense, wouldn't it? And then uh, the remainders are just uh, volleyball players.
1: Yeah, but they're with... dressed. They got the pink gear, the pink uh, bands and everything. But it, it was fun that they came out. And this is an indication of who this team is this year. That without even telling anybody, they just decided on their own they're going to be dressed up in costumes and coming in and practice. And it worked out beautifully. And uh, um, those are things that uh, I think help with chemistry and culture and. Uh, we've got a, a great group leading that thing. So I'm excited about where we're going.
0: Lots of fun. We've got a weekend of road magic with Rutgers on Friday, 7 o'clock first serve, Penn State on Saturday, the 9th, 7 o'clock, and then we come back home for Ohio State on the 15th at 7, and Maryland. On the 16th at 7, our first meeting with the Terps this season, a team that always plays Purdue very tough. And then we'll be back in a couple weeks for our next episode of Dig City. Coach, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Daniel, thanks uh, for being back. I know that you had a tough visit down to watch your Florida Gators uh, get beat by Georgia. Upset uh, special down there. I think Florida was a favorite to win that. But uh, glad you made it back safe and sound, and we're looking forward to the final eight matches of the of Big Ten season and, and hopefully that will result into a trip to the NCAA tournament.
0: No better place to be. So here we are at Dig City. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks. This is Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball Podcast.